The Truth and Love Ministry is pleased to present Truth and Love Radio with former Muslim and now Christian pastor Sharam Hadian. Sharam is from Iran and is now a proud U.S. citizen living in Washington State. In addition to being a pastor and conference speaker, he is also the host of the weekly television program Till TV. And now, here is your host, Sharam Hadian. Well, thank you for joining us today on Truth and Love Radio. This is Pastor Sharam Hadian. And, uh, folks, I have to start uh, out uh, with a, an apology for uh, being off the air for so long. It's been a, a few weeks since we've done some shows, uh, and there's good reason for that. Um, we have had uh, the busiest month that we've had in the Truth and Love Ministries ever. Uh, I was actually on the road more than half of the month of April, and... Um, it's just been an incredible month, uh, lots of uh, incredible opportunities. Uh, we're so grateful for the doors that the Lord is opening, uh, lots of um, opposition. As uh, many of you know, uh, we had our events shut down in Wisconsin and Minnesota, and I'll be talking more about that uh, on the program today uh, for those of you who are not aware of what happened. But anyway, it's just been a very, very busy month, a very busy spring our busiest year to date. Um, we have a, a a lot of traveling ahead of us uh, in the ministry. Our church ministry, of course, in Spokane Valley, Washington, is continuing to uh, be established and hopefully deepened. So, uh, again, my apologies for uh, not being on the air with you for a while. Uh, and uh, we're going to be doing a few shows here for you and then um, actually have a a brief vacation with my family, and then we'll come back and we'll hit the road running again. So what I wanted to cover um, for you on the program here today, uh, and actually for several programs, is to continue. Uh, I've done several messages, several series on our radio programs on the ongoing Islamization of America and really of the entire West. Uh, we're, we're talking about how we're witnessing this this Islamization? What are the signs of of the uh, the movement of these Western nations towards Islam? Uh, what should we be looking for? And um, and 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 can we stop it? Can we reverse it? Can we slow it down? Uh, which is a huge, huge question. So we're going to be talking about specifically today the two houses of Islam. Uh, this is a concept that many, many people, when they try to understand Islam and the ideology of Islam, do not understand fully. And I, as a former Muslim who left Iran, became a Christian in 1999, I witnessed this two-house concept even in my own birth country of Iran. Because again, as many of you have heard my own story, Iran while Muslim majority populated, was not being governed under Islamic law, was not Sharia compliant in many ways um, until the revolution of 1979. So I've witnessed this shift. And so many people say, well, I don't understand. There seems to be a different version of Islam in the West versus the Islam that is in the Middle East or North Africa. Why is that? Well, if we don't understand that there are two houses, a concept of duality in Islam, and I've covered this before, but it's really important to cover again because it's foundational to the understanding of the ideology. And, and maybe even many Muslims don't understand their duty um, if they're not devout, uh, like like my dad, my 
family per se wasn't devout, wasn't a fundamentalist family, they they don't understand what the overall objective is. So, and, and recently I was doing a uh, a Skype presentation with a group back in Michigan, and this question came up. And this is a group that's well informed and and has had many many excellent speakers to speak to them, including uh, uh, a colleague Phil Haney. Now that I was uh, we were down in in Missouri together, of course, at Lake of the Ozarks. Those of you who were there uh, at the Lake of the Ozarks know that it was just an incredible time. Uh, the panel discussion that we had there with Phil and, and, and Billy Vaughn and Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and many others was Dr. Dr. Andy Woods and many others was was just I think just anointed. So um, you know, they, they, this group had, had 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 Phil Haney, and they really didn't know the two house concept. So we've got to be able to cover this. And there's a DVD that we have that's called Unveiling the True Face of Islam. If you go to our website under the order tab, tillproject.com under uh, the order tab, the, it is one of our DVDs. It's the one that has kind of the reddish cover, Unveiling the True Face of Islam, a wake-up call for the world. We, we, we really cover ideology. It's all about the ideology of Islam. Uh, refuting again the myth that Islam is a religion of peace, refuting the myth that Islam is tolerant towards non-Muslims, refuting the f- myth that Islam does not teach to war against non-Muslims, which is jihad, refuting all of these myths and really bringing out the ideology. But I want to also make make you aware of a special that we have on our website. We've put together our uh, what's called an Exposing Islam DVD combo pack. It's six of our DVDs that is about exposing the ideology of Islam, everything from the ideological aspect to the legal aspect to the spiritual aspect. For example, our brand new DVD, The Trojan Horse of Interfaith Dialogue, exposing the dangers of interfaith dialogue that we see coming into many, many, uh, not only mainstream Churches, quote, but even evangelical churches like the James White Yasser Qadi dialogue that we exposed for you here last year. And uh, uh, we also cover the legal aspects, how Sharia is an assault to the Constitution. So and also prophetically, we look at what the Bible says about prophecy uh, in the last days. What role do, do Muslim nations play? in that prophecy. So it's a it's a power-packed combo pack, uh, over 12 hours of teaching plus many special features. It's like basically if you get all six of those, it's like taking a you know level 202 or 303 course at a university within Islam. So uh, we have a special $70 for all six of those DVDs, um, just over $10 a DVD, uh, and it's well worth it. And then also if you want to throw in some booklets, uh, you, for, there's two booklets we have, The Sharia Law for Non-Muslims by Dr. Bill Warner, and, of course, the Explanatory Memorandum, which is the Muslim Brotherhood document, their playbook that is a must to know and, and see. Uh, we have that, and our Islam is Religion of Peace or War uh, little booklet that we have, two of those. So you can get all six DVDs, two books, and the small two booklets for a $95 donation. So $70 donation for all six DVDs, $95 donation for the six DVDs, and two books, and then the two small booklets. So again, um, 
We hope that you're able to get those, uh, share them. Uh, so much information, and and the nice thing about the combo pack is it it hits Islam from every angle. There's no angle left untouched to really give you, as a believer, a full understanding. So uh, please visit our website and do that. So now let's get into this concept of the two houses here as we talk about the ongoing Islamization, because as I said, it's it's critical. In the Sharia law manual, the Reliance of the Traveler, the classic manual of Islamic sacred law, remember now this booklet is from the Shafia school of Sunni Islam. Sunni Muslims are the majority, over 83% of the world's Muslim population are Sunni. And the Shafia is is the third of the fourth in, in the aspect of conservative orthodox teaching it's it's not the most orthodox that's the hanbali school that's um for example in saudi arabia where they practice wahhabism or salafism which is the strictest interpretation of islamic law basically that's what isis is it, it is going back to muhammad to the letter of the law so isis is not radical isis is the most strictest interpretation of islam on the planet today uh completely, completely mimicking what Muhammad did. So the Shafia school is one below that. So it's not even the most conservative or using the terminology of some radical um, or extremist, but it is still fundamental orthodox teaching within Islam. And so I want to cover for you here um there's a section on the two, the two houses, and uh, I'll give you the names here in a minute so we understand, uh, you know, what the names are, what the concepts are within the two-house concept, and then we'll get into, um, you know, what some of the parameters are for declaring the lower house from the upper house. So the lower house of Islam is referred to as Dar el-Harb. Dar el-Harb. Dar el-Harb means the house of war. So Dar means house or abode. Harb means war. Now you go, well, which house is that? So that house is the house of the unbeliever, the house of the kufar. So the house of the unbeliever, so the way that the Islamic world, Islamic text, uh, Muhammad himself, the way that they view that, well, the house that is our house, for example, in America. Remember the explanatory memorandum talks about that their mission is to sabotage our miserable house. That's a direct quote sabotage our miserable house by our hands. So they want to come in in our house from within, work to sabotage our house but by our hands and the hands of the, of the Muslims uh, until it is eliminated. There's no uh, long-term plan for coexistence or plurality. Uh, so, but let me read the section to you, to you here on uh, dealing with, in enemy lands. That's what they call Dar al-Harb. It's referred to under the Sharia law manual as an enemy land. So the way that a devout Muslim, a fundamentalist Muslim, uh, 
and the ideology of Islam views America or Canada or Australia or, or Western Europe or any Western nation is an enemy land. Now, isn't that wonderful? And I'm being facetious. You go, well, I thought that Islam is peaceful, tolerant, wants to coexist. Wrong. Maybe individual Muslims do, but Islam does not. Because Islam is trying to gain the upper house, the upper hand. What is the upper house? Well, it's called Dar al-Islam, the house or abode of Islam. Well, Sharam, Pastor Haiti, and I thought that Islam meant peace. Isn't that what Barack Hussein Obama said in in his 2015, uh, I think it was, speech in the mosque? No, Mr. Obama was lying to you as he lied to you about many other things because the word Islam does not mean peace. The word Islam from the Arabic word aslama or salama means one who is surrendered. So the word Islam means surrendered, to be surrendered. A Muslim or Muslim, as some say, is a surrendered follower of Islam. So how do you get the concept of peace? Well, when Islam goes to the upper house and it declares itself to be the final religion, let me say that one more time. When Islam gets to the upper house, and it declares itself to be the final religion, then all of those who are not Muslims or or maybe even are lukewarm Muslims are called to surrender fully to Islam. When you surrender, then you are at peace. So the definition of Islamic peace is one who is surrendered to Allah, to Islam. If you do not plan on surrendering, as I do not, I will never surrender to Islam, then you are not at peace with Islam. In fact, you are at war with Islam and Allah. Now, maybe someone's thinking out there, well, isn't that a similar concept in Christianity? The Bible says that when we were apart from God, we were enemies of God. When we came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and were brought into God's kingdom, we became the friend of God, a child of God. Yes, that's true, but that's a spiritual concept. This is the difference. Spiritually, an unbeliever in Christianity is an enemy of God spiritually. We have no permission to go kill them. We have no permission to go tell them, Convert to Christianity or else we're going to chop off your head or crucify you or burn you, uh, shoot you, whatever. Fill in the blank. We are, they are our spiritual enemies. And in fact, we know Jesus himself says to love your enemy, pray for your enemy. Within Islam, when the enemy is declared as your enemy, the unbeliever, and you are in the house of the enemy, you are to call them to repentance. If they do not repent, when you get the upper house, they now are fair game to be killed. You see, the difference is is that jihad, the warring against non-Muslims, remember, the definition of jihad is to war against non-Muslims. Okay? Let me read it for you 
here from, again, Section 09.0 Sharia Law Manual, Reliance of the Traveler, the classic manual of Islamic law. Jihad means to war against non-Muslims and is etymologically derived from the word mujahada, if you remember the word mujahadin, signifying warfare to establish the religion, that means Islam. So war against non-Muslims. Now, why can we definitively say that that warring is different than the warring in Christianity? Because in Christianity, our warring is a spiritual war. We know that we are in a spiritual battle. In fact, we know that the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6, right? We do not fight against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of this dark age or dark world. The powers of the air, the powers of darkness. So we know our battle is against flesh and blood. I'm sorry, is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces behind individuals. So I'm not called as a Christian to hate an individual person or to fight against an individual person in the sense of uh, simply because they're an unbeliever and to, to go kill them. But within Islam, the reason we know this is not a just a spiritual war as many apologists for Islam claim or Obama claimed, it's a literal is because we have the example of the prophet. Since Muhammad himself called for and warred literally against non-Muslims in order to convert them, as he did in Medina, in the upper house, when they got the upper house in Medina, the, the latter verses, the abrogated verses of the Quran. Therefore, that warring is not just spiritual, but literal, meaning you have to literally fight them and, if necessary, kill them. So that's the concept that we have to understand. So let me quickly go here. Uh, to give you the definition of the two houses, and then we're going to give examples on our next show of how we're seeing America again get to the upper house. Now, remember, I did a bunch of shows for you guys back a while back. Go to our archives on tillproject.com under the media tab. You can go down, and I did, a, I think, six shows on the hyper-political activities of the Islamic movement, why that is a sign of them getting closer to the upper house, Dar al-Islam, not Dar al-Harb, and... Um, we've done some uh, TV shows uh, on Worldview Weekend that we'll also make available on our um, website uh, or, or on our YouTube page, I should say. But uh, Worldview Weekend has some new TV shows that we've done on that as well. So it's very important to understand this concept because without it, you don't understand Islam. Do you understand, folks? Without it, you can't fathom or understand the, the dual nature of Islam. Uh, and again, we'll give examples. So let me read this here real quick. So in uh, section W43.5 of the Sharia Law Manual, page 946, it says, um, as the question, the, sub, the subheading is, what is meant by enemy lands? Dar al-Harb, what is meant? Well, there's three categorizations of enemy lands. But here's here's the description. As for the fatwa's claim, fatwa means a, a, a religious ruling, that India is an enemy land, Dar al-Harb, because what's going on in India today particularly, and this is throughout history, but particularly today, most people are not covering the, 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 the jihad that is going on in India, the jihad that is being waged against Hindus and Sikhs by Muslims in India. India actually has more Muslims per population per capita than any other country in the world. Indonesia is the most uh, populated Muslim 
country in the world. But India has more Muslims in totality because of their massive population. When they have close to 1.4 billion people in India, the birth, uh, the, 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 the birth, the uh, percentage of Muslims, some say it's 20%, maybe 30% of India now is Muslim. Um, if you do the math, that's way, way, way larger than Indonesia. So the, the, the most numerous, I guess best way to say it, the most numerous country in the planet that has Muslims is India. But this, of course, is talking about also in history. So as for the Fawaz claim that India is an enemy land, Dar al-Harb, it is not in its generality true because areas where Muslims reside and there is a remnant of Islam's rules, even if this is limited to, to just marriages and what pertains to them, for example, are now considered Muslim lands or Dar al-Islam. So even though the, all of India is not Dar al-Islam because, of course, Muslims or, or non-Muslims are still the, the, the mass populace, but... What this Sharia law, this is a legal ruling, folks. What this is saying is when you have areas, pockets, enclaves that become majority populated and Islam takes over, now those areas can be declared Muslim lands. That should be of grave importance to us if we understand the importance for Muslims of enclaves. Why do we see enclaves forming in Europe and in America? Why do we see in Canada? Why do we see non-assimilation? And, and why do we see segregation? Because the goal is to get a mass, get uh, you know a, a, a mass number of Muslims, a core group of Muslims in an area. And when they take over that, that whether it's a suburb or a small community or a town, like for example, again, in Hamtramck, Michigan, that is the first Muslim majority city in America, now, they declared that to be Muslim land, Dar al-Islam. When they declare it to be Dar al-Islam, they will not give it up without a fight. They're not going to just leave. They're going to fight for it. That's why Europe is now declared Dar al-Islam by many of the mosques and Islamic leaders, because you have so many enclaves in Europe, in France, in Germany, in Great Britain, in Norway, in Austria, in Sweden, in Spain particularly in Western Europe, that they've declared Western Europe in particular to be Dar el-Islam because it's now Muslim lands. Now, let's keep reading. A Muslim land does not become an enemy land except under three conditions. So, the security of Muslims through their leader no longer exists and the security of non-Muslims has taken its place. So, this is talking about that if you have a Muslim land, it becomes a non-Muslim land because the non-Muslims now have are, are, are basically ruling the, the the security aspect, the military, the police, the security, okay? That's one condition. If that's not going on, it's a Muslim land. Well, guess what's happening in the enclaves in Europe, right? The police have left. The security forces have left. They're, they're, they've been basically turned over and are being run by, by Islamic gangs. So that concept, therefore, those are Muslim lands. So So... It, it, it cannot be deemed as a non-Muslim land because it doesn't meet criteria number one. Here's criteria number two. That they have been surrounded on all sides such that it is impossible for the aid of Muslims to reach them. So if, if Muslims are surrounded on all sides, then they can't declare it to be Dar al-Islam. 
But if they, if other Muslims can get to them and continue to support them and continue to build the Muslim community, it is third dollar Islam. And number three, that not a single one of Islam's rules remain therein, which effectively means that none of the lands that Islam has spread to and in which something of it remains can be considered an enemy land. As for other countries, enemy lands, Dar al-Harb, literally a board of war, consist of those with whom the Muslim countries, Dar al-Islam, are at a state of war. In the light of which it is clear that there is virtually no country on the face of the earth where a Muslim has an excuse to behave differently than he would in an Islamic country, whether in his commercial or other dealings. Now, there's a lot there to process, but basically it's saying that as long as in a nation, Islamic rules are are allowed to exist, even in the case of just marriage, even in the cases of, of some basic things, then 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 you can declare it Dar al-Islam. So in the uh, no-go zones in, in, in or the, 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 sorry, excuse me, the urban s- sensitive zones, they call them, they don't like the term no-go zones, in, in, in the urban sensitive zones in France or, or in, the, in the enclaves in the UK, where now they have Sharia courts, Islamic law is allowed to be governed. When Islamic law is allowed to be governed, they can declare that Dar al-Islam because you're allowing Islam to flourish. If you're not allowed to have any Islamic law, then it is an enemy land and it must be fought against. So the Dar al-Islam must continue to war against Dar al-Harb until it becomes Dar al-Islam. So do you understand, folks, the concept here is that they are in a perpetual state of war against uh, non-Muslims. And this is not, again, radicalism. This is fundamentalism. Until we understand this concept, we don't get it. That's why they're trying to impose Sharia. When they impose Sharia, it means that that law of of Islam is being implemented. The more we give in to Sharia, the more we accommodate Sharia, the more they they get closer to the upper house and the quicker they can declare it to be Dar al-Islam. So if none of these three conditions that that I said is met, then that land is Muslim land. Or if these three conditions have been defeated, that land is now Muslim land. So again, on our next show, when we come back, we're going to go through this even more, and I'll give you examples. We'll go through specific things that we're seeing happen in America again that is an indication that we are very, very close to going to the upper house, the Dar al-Islam, and that we're not going to remain in Dar al-Hard very much longer as they've done in Europe. So I hope, folks, this has been helpful for you. Again, please visit our website. Um, if you want to uh, 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 send a donation in to support the ministry, of course, we would greatly appreciate that so we can continue to get this work out and continue to um, educate, to bring truth in love to all those who need to hear it, uh, not just on the issue of Islam, but on all issues that the Bible addresses. God bless you, and we will see you on the program next time. Thank you for listening to Truth in Love Radio with Pastor Sharam Hadian. You can visit our website, order DVDs, subscribe to our podcast, or support the ministry at www.tilproject.com. Please join us next time for another installment of Truth in Love Radio.